Hello, I am AA-23, the official droid of Ashla Analysis. Keep your concentration here and now where it belongs. This is it. Everybody quiet. Follow me, boys. Got the dark side, the light side. One is selfless, one is selfish. You want to keep them in balance. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Vader was seduced by the dark side of the Force. That's not how the Force works. There's been an awakening. Have you felt it? Allow me to introduce our instructors in the Force, Master Eric and Master Rachel. Well, welcome back, everyone, to the next episode of Ashla Analysis with your hosts, Rachel Rosselli and Eric Pfeiffer. Hey, Eric. How are you? Doing well, Rachel. How are you? Good. I'm actually extremely excited about this episode, and I'm not just saying that because I have all kinds of energy right now, but I'm excited because we're talking about the ancient Jedi and Sith texts, which for some reason just... My gosh, they're so awesome to me. I just want to learn so much more. And even even with all the research we did for today, there's so much more detail that I just wish they would print and I could buy and read all the time. Yeah, it's really crazy. Because if you think about it, like even the kids today, you have textbooks, right? You go to school and you have your history books and you have your science books and your math books. And it essentially teaches you how to become a smarter human being, right? An educated human being. And in the world of Star Wars, if you are a dark side force user or a light side force user and you have the ambition to become mm-hmm. the, a Jedi, to learn the Jedi way or conversely, the Sith way, you have these ancient texts that people hundreds of years before your time created to help you down the line reach your goal. So it's great to, to learn about. What's interesting is is finding any kind of written text in the universe about Jedi or Sith is super rare because for a long period, like as technology advanced, obviously, that holocrons were the preferred format of recording history or knowledge or, or whatever. And even though there's been found some data tapes or scrolls or books or whatever, all of those types have been used in the past. But there's something about finding old ancient texts that is just so mystical. Yeah, there's definitely like a, you know, it's almost like a hunt, right? I mean, even when we yeah. see Rey in The Last Jedi, she kind of takes those from Luke and kind of puts them in, you know, that little drawer on the Falcon. It's sort of like a little secret area, and Luke doesn't even know she took them. So, I mean, they're definitely very sacred. I have to tell you, one of my biggest dreams is that one day I will walk into Doc Endar's Den of Antiquities and find the actual ancient text there. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Can you imagine just grabbing that off the shelf and being like, okay, I need to read this. I need then I'll this. Be a <laughs> just yeah. take my money. <laughs> yeah. um, so there was actually a couple of different libraries Jedi libraries, larger libraries that house some of these things like like the texts and the data tapes and stuff that we're talking about today. Um, and during the hyperspace wars, which was 5,000 before Battle of Yavin, um, the great Jedi library on Osis 
was actually destroyed and ravaged and only a fraction of the stuff that was stored there was actually recovered. Um, eventually, the Jedi Temple on Coruscant, which held must, like much of the history, including the stuff that was pulled from that old great Jedi library. And as you remember from seeing it, like there's there's a lot of stuff held in Coruscant at that library, but it had most of the history of both the Jedi and the Sith, and it even held some of the most important Jedi and Sith holocrons of all time until the Emperor came and seized everything. Yes, because the dark side. <laughs> that guy. So he's got to ruin everything. <laughs> Um, but one cool thing that I learned um, is that on Osis, the planet from that Jedi library, um, when the Jedi were there, they actually were talking about understanding that both the light and the dark side of the force re reflect the aspects of the living force. Like you, you, you need both. Um, the in the moment manifestation of, of life energy, the unifying force which is the cosmic expression of prophecies and destinies like all of that knowledge was was in this library um and they realized that the light and the dark sides are intertwined and necessary to each other but they form a certain balance and the thing was that the jedi could avoid embracing the dark side but they could never ignore its power so over the millennia the awareness of this unifying force became lost to the Jedi and, you know, it, stuff gets destroyed and people get killed and, you know, that kind of thing happens. But throughout their history, then the Jedi moved farther and farther away from training anyone familiar with fear or anger or any emotion that might lead to the dark side since devastating war after devastating war with the Sith had plagued them for so long. And so it's kind of interesting to see that they really were recording all this knowledge about both sides of the force and, and how they worked together. But then it got filtered away further and further and further because there was just so much destruction from the Sith. Yeah. And you know what, Rachel, as, as you were talking, I was thinking a little bit about the force and I had written an article for uh, twin sons outpost and it was basically talking about what could happen after the rise of Skywalker with the force. And as I was thinking about it, um, it got me really thinking that the Force is kind of the heart and soul of Star Wars, and every time we get an answer about the Force to one of our questions, uh, it's kind of like Hydra, where you know you cut off one head and then two more show up. It's, <laughs> it's kind of like that with the Force, because we, we, we get an answer and then all of a sudden there's like a million more questions, and it's like, holy crap, what happened here? Um, yeah. I really love... Everything that we've been getting with the Force and all the questions that, you know, even the answers that we get kind of spark just because that's what makes a great franchise is just that constant quest for more knowledge about More something. knowledge. Yep. I agree with you. Um, okay. So as we get into talking about both um, Jedi and Sith texts, um, I just wanted to preface it with the fact that most accounts of the Sith and their knowledge started with the Jedi recording how destructive the dark side was. And then, you know, eventually the Sith started documenting their own successions and, and knowledge and such and power. But more than once, they then destroyed their own recordings out of greed. So. Eh, just, yeah, <laughs> it happens. <laughs> yeah, just so we know. 
All right. Well, if you don't mind, Eric, I will start us off with the Jedi text because I'm really excited. So, you know, uh, I want to start with the ancient Jedi texts, which, as you guys may remember, are referenced by Luke and, and end up with Rey. They've also been called the sacred Jedi text at some point. So, uh, you know, if ancient or sacred, however you'd like to, to say it, it's the same thing. It's basically a collection of eight books and some scrolls. And Luke, legend has that Luke got these from a Praxium ship, which is one of those ships that the Jedi used to have for like a, a floating Jedi Academy. So they would send Padawans and younglings on here to, to study how to be a Jedi. And so he found one of those ships, legend has it, and then was able to find all these books and scrolls. Um, so in this collection, there are records of the early Jedi order from like 25,000 BBY, like the original stuff, um, knowledge, that they learned at, as they became the first Jedi, um, invaluable data regarding Jedi training, meditation, lightsaber forms, basically all the stuff that, that Luke needed to start his own new academy, yeah, which was if, really awesome. If you think yeah. about it, that's kind of like a rubric to your goals. Like if you have a goal, you know, whether it be career-wise, let, let's just go with career-wise, right? So if you have this goal, let's say you want to be an astronaut or something, and then you you have like these ancient texts about people who became astronauts. You're like, okay, perfect. Here we go. This is it. That's all I need to know. <laughs> this you know? is where I start. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's really cool because in, in these sacred texts, the origins, the Initial writings actually came from the prime Jedi, like someone understanding both sides and, and really, can you imagine like all of this new information you're experiencing yourself for the first time? Maybe you have someone to talk to you about it. Maybe you really don't. And you're just kind of recording this stuff because you know, it's so awe inspiring that you're, you're going to need to write it down. Yeah, probably a lot more informative than the Calrissian Chronicles. <laughs> well you never know <laughs> sometimes he's got useful info <laughs> um okay so one other thing that's interesting there's going to be a lot i don't know why i say one another thing that's interesting is these texts included a visual visualization of the chain worlds theorem which is a, a representation basically of what they call the world between worlds this is also known as the virgin scatter the netherworld of underbeing or a ribbon across all reality. It has a bunch of names, but basically it's a mystical plane that exists outside of time and space, but within the force. And it's a collection of doors and pathways linking all moments in time together. And this is what Ezra actually stumbles upon in Rebels. Yeah. And I think everybody who's seen Rebels knows exactly what we're talking about with this because that is one of the most iconic scenes in Rebels where you can kind of just open pathways, open doors, hear voices, things like that. And it's such a mystery. But that's something that we get a little bit more in these texts. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, another thing is that these texts taught things like lost Jedi abilities, things that haven't been seen or used for quite some time, uh, stuff like force projection, mm -hmm. force mm -hmm. healing. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, there's some history of the Jedi in there. There's lost Jedi wisdom. 
um, and guidance for future Jedi, which is cool. But at least one of these books included a passage on how the Jedi choose the light side of the force. Um, and it's actually 3PO that translates this, but he says, the force is the light, the force is the dark. Jedi choose the light for all it reveals. That was a good 3PO voice. I liked it. <laughs> uh, well, you know. Um, there's also, in this pile of books, there's three that we actually can name, which is pretty cool. Um, and the first one is the Aya Monica. And there's two volumes of this, like volume one and volume two. And they're exploration and codifications of the Force, which I think is so awesome. I would really, totally want to read that. And then the second one is the Chronicles of Brusbu. In this one, they included in it a description of a technique that you could use to repair a damaged kyber crystal. Very useful as well. Yeah, Kylo and, could use that. Oh my god, I know. I've, I'm thinking about all the video games that I've played that I'm like, <laughs> why couldn't I have stumbled across that first? <laughs> yep. Um, and then the, one of the last ones is the Ramagan. And this is the one that we actually see uh, in the movie. The pages get opened and it's got kind of the, the blue and gold and, and it's it's just beautiful. But in here, in this book, they are talking about four commandments or precepts. And each of these commandments told a story about the force, which is really cool because it's it's teaching you about the force and what to do through a story, which is brilliant, actually, because that's that's kind of the whole thing, right? In this universe, as you've heard the myth of Luke Skywalker and, you know, you're hearing what's happening um, in varying outer worlds, you hear it in a story form. And that's how you learn what's going on. So it's pretty sweet. Um, in that same book, it also describes a battle between gods, which I think is maybe like a prophecy could be. That's just my own opinion. When it, once when I actually get to read it, I, I will let you know. Now, Rachel, is this the book that Ray has in the Rise of Skywalker? Yes, it is. It's that red clay book. Okay. It's the same one that, that she gets the astronomical information about Exegol, right? Where it basically tells her hyperspace lanes, uh, the deep space dangers and how to avoid them. Um, and then the galactic barrier, which is basically that it's like a big collection of hyperspace anomalies and how to avoid them to get to Exegol. Yeah, because you, you see her take those books and put them in the little you know, drawer in The Last Jedi, and then we see her kind of have her own little space on Agent Kloss and The Rise of Skywalker, looking through them a little bit, trying to find out how to get to Exegol and, and all that. Um, but it's cool that we finally get to learn a little bit more about what's in that book. Yeah, there and there's so much more. Like, this is, you know, the, the most information that we have at the moment. Um, but even just the little snapshots that you can see from like a corner of a page from a, a certain, you know, scene or, um, some prints in various books, you know, where I've done research, uh, you can tell that there's multiple different writings. There's Luke's handwriting as he's taking notes about these things and learning about them. Like, it's just so cool. Yeah, definitely. So that's the collection of books. Um, definitely some of the most important stuff. Uh, that exists regarding the Jedi and training and their path and knowledge and everything, of course. 
um, in written form anyway. The next thing would be the Jedi Path. And this was written as a manual for students of the Force. This one's super interesting because it was actually also part of the books that were recovered from that Praxium ship, but it was kind of written like, I guess, I guess you would use it like a workout diary, right? Where you are <laughs> following a training, but you're also adding in your own notes and commentary. And so this book, it, it was after the Sith Wars that it was created, which basically is like a thousand BBY. And the idea was for it to establish traditions and for it to be handed down from master to apprentice. And so they could kind of, you know, use it as like this journal. And what's funny is it really did record and establish those traditions and, and ways of training. And they lived on for centuries. Um, it also is cool because it covers an overview of like the history of the Jedi Order, what's life like in the Jedi Temple, the three pillars of the Jedi, the force, knowledge, and self-discipline, um, what the Jedi's life is like in service, what the Jedi trials are, different force abilities and saber techniques, and, and so much more stuff. But it's, man, it's such a good manual. Um, it even warns against the Sith and touches on the idea that there is no death, there is the force, which, of course, leads us into the Jedi Code. Right. Now, Rachel, before we go into the Jedi Code, I have to say that I one of the most exciting things about this is that this is a manual for students of the Force, like you said, but this is something that us today on Earth could go to the store and we could buy the Jedi Path. We could read about how to become a Jedi in the Order. Yes, I'm pretty sure there was some kind of data tape that got uh, beamed across universes here, and we <laughs> are lucky enough to have crossed paths with it because this one we can get here. Absolutely. So go out and check for that one, guys. Yeah, honestly, it's like my favorite book. It's so great. So with it touching at the very end, and it's funny because it's it's written like as if they know that this concept might exist or might be possible but that's the extent of the knowledge right mm -hmm. and so it, it it leaves you hanging like oh my gosh okay and obviously we know later on that there are people that learn how to live in the force and, and that that is possible but at this point when this book was written it was like well you know we think that's something that you can do but you have you have to go after it and achieve it so the jedi code for uh just to restate it, that was actually written close to the same time as this Jedi Path book, which I also find really, really interesting because right as they're like establishing all these things about being a Jedi and what you do and what it means, like, you know, they put the code together. Uh, and again, this is like a thousand BBY and it lives on, all these traditions live on throughout the golden age of the Republic, all the way to like 312 BBY. So, not too shabby. Um, and of course that code is, there is no emotion, there is peace. There is no ignorance, there is knowledge. There is no passion, there is serenity. There is no death, there is the force. Oh, yeah. I just get goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, quite the, it's quite the code. And I mean, if you can stick to that, I mean, that's a great way to live your life because... 
I mean, if you if you strive for peace, knowledge, serenity, and just realize that there is no death, you know, if you don't fear death and you just kind of realize that the force is is kind of all powerful, I think that's a great way to to live your life. However, I side with the dark side, so. <laughs> I so we gotta learn that. something. Yeah. So Rachel, before I start talking about the Sith texts, because you know there is no light without darkness. Is there anything else that you want to talk about related to the Jedi or ancient light side texts? The only thought as we transition is that again, like I kind of mentioned. A lot of the texts that are, you know, left over, available, that Ray has, they're based on the original ancient teachings. And so in that case, we're, we're, learning, we're learning about both sides, that they both exist for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. and I, I think there is something, too, in one of the, you know, how the Clone Wars has, like, the the little lessons or the little, you know, sentences at the beginning of, of every episode. Uh, there's one, I think it says like, I don't know exactly what it says. There might be a couple of them that are very similar, but it says like, um, there's no darkness without the light or there's no light without the darkness or something like that. And then I think there's another one that says, you know, evil is not born. It is taught. And so all of these children, all of these Jedi, all these force users from, day one even kids today you know they are not born evil evil is taught and so when we get into these sith texts these are the things that teach evil everyone these sith texts teach the evilness to the galaxy um and so rachel kind of like what you're talking about you have the jedi path the manual for students of the force we have on the dark side the book of sith and what this does is it features things like sith history you want to know all about those ancient wars that the sith were in you read the book of sith the title of darth right this was something that did not always exist among Mm -hmm. the sith this was something that was created by darth revan and darth malak those were the first two sith in the galaxy to use the title of darth um, and then when you start talking about uh, Night Sisters, right? You get into Night Sisters and their magic. Oh. And while they're not necessarily Sith, they do use the dark side in their magic on Dathomir. They so. creep me out. I cannot handle them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the music too. Just like when you're watching oh. Clone Wars and stuff, and there's like the green mist and stuff, and you got that crazy music and. Yeah, it's anytime it's, I have to visit Dathomir in a game, I'm like running around with goosebumps crying the whole time. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> it's definitely goosebump inducing because the the Night Sisters just will do that to you. That's how they that's how they yeah. work. Um and you talked a little bit about holocrons earlier in the show, Rachel, and this is something too that the Jedi or I'm sorry, the Sith have used much like the Jedi, to pass along their knowledge and in some cases even sort of uh, retain their essence, right? The the Sith, after they die, 
it, it doesn't work the same way as the Jedi, right? So you have like Obi-Wan and Yoda and all of them who kind of manifest after after death and that's not how the sith work they sort of latch themselves onto something and kind of live through objects and things like that and so sith holocrons are there to pass on knowledge to future potential sith or dark side users they just can't let go they have to still try to be controlling things yeah but you know that's fine <laughs> that's fine <laughs> um also, in this Book of Sith, we get a ton on the Sith armor. So if you guys remember watching The Clone Wars Season 6 and you remember seeing Darth Bane voiced by nobody else other than the great Mark <laughs> Hamill, Darth Bane had all this armor on and stuff, right? And that's something that the Sith used a lot of times, especially in the ancient day. Um, during the time of the Republic and in, in the time that we see them during the films, Obviously, they're trying to stay hidden. They're trying to stay undercover. Um, Senator Palpatine is not going to walk onto the Senate floor with a buttload of Sith armor on. You know, that's right. just not something we're going to see him do. Um, totems, of course. Totems are something that's very important. Incantations, which we also see in the Clone Wars. And then this Book of Sith also touches a little bit on Darth Plagueis and the science of creating life, which is something that I know we talked a little bit about on one of our previous episodes, but I think that's mm -hmm. something that we may end up continue on talking about in a future episode. Yeah, because there, I mean, I imagine if you're coming up with a new scientific process of how to do something so complicated, you would probably need to write it down. Oh yeah, yeah. And this is something that you can literally read about, guys. I'm not even kidding you. If you want to find out more about the science of creating life and the ability that Darth Plagueis had in his research, you guys need to read the Book of Sith because there's a ton of great information on that as well. And like I said, Rachel, when, with the, um, the Jedi Path, talking about being able to access this on Earth. There must have been some kind of like crazy thing that happened, you know, the Big Bang or something that allowed us here on Earth <laughs> to get these books because the Book of Sith is also available to everybody here on Earth. Nice. Which is, yeah. Now, you talked a little bit about the Jedi Code. And what's crazy is that the Sith have their own code as well. And the Sith, because, you know... They can't let the Jedi have all the glory. They created this code to specifically counter the Jedi code. That's why they made it. Because the Jedi had this little code, right? And the Sith are like, nah, we don't like that. So they created their own code. And so this is how their code goes. Peace is a lie. There is only passion. And if you take a look at the first sentence of the Jedi code, there is no emotion. Mm. There is peace. So that's Again, you can see how this is going to specifically counter the Jedi Code. Through yeah. passion, I gain strength. Through strength, I gain power. Through power, I gain victory. Through victory, my chains are broken. The Force shall free me. So now this is not something that's like a, a specific like book or something like that. This is something that was written down by the ancient Sith of their time that the Sith then kind of reiterated over and over and over again even up until current sith i mean we hear maul in the clone wars talk about chains being broken and chains um 
you know, when he's got his little, like, spider butt kind of going cuckoo bananas on, mm-hmm. uh, on Lothal Minor. So this is this is a current thing. So these codes are, say, are crazy. I must say that as much as I have influenced all three of my siblings to be fans of all of this stuff, and, you know, I throw out references to things like the Jedi Code every now and then because, you know, it just works into my normal conversation. But mm-hmm. the creepiest thing is when you know you've done your job a little too well, and then your brother replies to your sly Jedi words that you've incorporated into the conversation with a line from the Sith Code. <laughs> oh, he must have somehow found the Book of Sith or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, that one gets away from me. <laughs> well, you know what, Rachel? It's all about balance. So you have siblings <laughs> that align with the light and with the dark. So maybe, maybe there's a balance in there somewhere. That's true. Now, what's great about the Sith, Rachel, is you talked a little bit about the eight books, the sacred books, the Jedi texts. The Sith kind of have a couple books themselves, and these are known as the Dark Side Compendium, and they're written Mm -hmm. by Darth Sidious, and the first of those books is the Book of Anger. When anger intensifies to rage... It is unstoppable. And if you that take sounds a like look, something he would say. Yeah, right? I mean, that's pretty... Like, totally. I can imagine him sitting there saying that to Anakin. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, too, like, anger is obviously a very intense emotion, but rage mm-hmm. is that much more intense. And it, I mean, it. I suppose at that point, it really is very hard to stop. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like if you take a look at Luke, even, you know, Luke in his battle against Vader at the end, you know, Palpatine says, yeah. your hate has made you powerful. You know, when he takes out and when Vader's like, oh, if you will not turn to the dark side, then perhaps she will. Referring to Leia, right? Yeah. Luke gets all like upset and starts going crazy. That is that is not necessarily a Jedi thing to do. That Luke is sort of getting hate and he's kind of getting rageful, but then he kind of composes himself later and wins that battle by not fighting, by electing not to fight. He wins that, but you know, when you see Luke's anger intensify to rage, he becomes unstoppable and the chosen yeah. one, Vader, can't do anything about it. So, it's it's very interesting how that works. Um yeah. But yeah, I mean, the structure of this uh, is to build an empire based on anger, um, which Sidious says is the most potent emotion, which I kind of agree. I mean, mm. anger is pretty crazy. The second Good point. Yes. The second of these books is called The Weakness of Inferiors. And this is all about kind of wanting to live over other people the weak live in fear and do not understand the force the weak must be removed from society before their own selfish desires inflict lasting damage and so that makes a lot of sense if you think about palpatine ruling the republic palpatine ruling the empire over and over and over even just his like do it taking out dooku Palpatine loves strength. He loves power. He loves watching Anakin take out Dooku's head, you know, and that's what he likes. The weak must be removed from society. Gosh. 
Sounds like a horrible manual. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, if you're evil, it's it's all... It makes sense. (laughs) It's all a point of view. (laughs) Nice. Nice. The final of these books, Rachel, is called The Creation of Monsters. And we had talked about this before, kind of creating monsters, creating these physical beings on one of our previous episodes. But to Ah. Palpatine... This is something that's that's crazy because as I read this while doing research, he regards Vader's creation as a masterpiece, right? So Vader to him is kind of considered to be like a monster. He created this monster as an apprentice. He kind of, you know, with everything with Padme and everything with the Jedi and, and, and all that, his nightmares, all that, he created this, this apprentice, this monster, Darth Vader. My goodness, yeah. What that point of view, it's chilling. Yep. So and that then that's why, you know, Palpatine is one of my favorite Sith, because he had this in his mind for so long. And he's he plays the end game, he plays the long game. He's crazy. the literal long, long game. <laughs> yeah. Now, if you guys watched The Rise of Skywalker, you may have seen Ochi's Blade, and that's the dagger that they kind of go after in the film to help them find the Sith Wayfinder on the remains of the second Death Star. Now, what's crazy about this, Rachel, is that this blade was etched with the symbols of what's called Ur-Katat, the old tongue of the Sith. And the Old Republic had banned the open sharing of Sith knowledge, which is why 3PO was Mm -hmm. not able to translate the text. And so I think it's interesting that even in current day, right? Because it had to be current day for them to know where the second Death Star was on Kef Beer to have it point to the Sith Wayfinder. So some people were like, oh, I can't believe that they had ancient weapons with the Sith text on it that knew where the Sith Wayfinder was on the second Death Star, which would have to have been created after the Battle of Endor. But the text, right. is, it's only the text that is ancient, right? So I'm sure in today's society, we have people that can write ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics, right? There's probably someone out there that can write that. And so right. I think for our universe in the Star Wars universe... Just because it's written in ancient Sith text doesn't mean that it's necessarily a, a dagger that was created with that text written on it thousands of years ago, because it couldn't have been. Right, because, so. I mean, if, for example, you were to purchase, I don't know, a sword or something for your house to put over your mantle, you mm-hmm. may have it inscribed in Latin, even though nobody speaks that anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah, so it's it's just, you know, opening your mind and understanding that, yes, this text could be ancient, but that doesn't mean that the weapon was ancient, you know, so it's just pretty, you also pretty interesting. You brought up a good point because, you're, you know, you're saying that in the current time, 3PO still is programmed to not be able to translate this based on something that the Old Republic banned. Yep. So we're talking... When they, as I was mentioning, right, where they started, like, eliminating the dark side from the training and, like, just just warning against it instead of trying to teach you about both, but in saying, no, 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 don't, don't even, don't even look at it, you know? And for that long, that's how much damage these Sith Wars did. That's how much fear 
there was in the rest of the world, right? Like that they were like, we don't even want you to speak it. That's how terrible it is. I know, which is crazy. Freedom of speech in the galaxy. (laughs) (laughs) Now, even though you've scared me with all of your dark side stuff and by saying my name a hundred times in your creepy Sith voice, (laughs) but I still like as much as I align with the Jedi and as much as I identify with that and want to follow that, I do believe that there is a usefulness to understanding that there is another side to the moon, right? The other side to a coin that, that there is a balance and whether or not you devote yourself or choose one or the other, at least being aware or having some understanding of the fact that there is the other side, I think is useful. Um, Which is actually, it takes me to the Jedi have a motto um, that they've used for quite some time, uh, but it's a little bit different than the Jedi code because the code is very explicit. It's very much, there is no emotion. There is no ignorance. There is no passion, right? Very much like absolutely 0% of that. We don't want you to do any of that. But the motto is a little bit more Qui-Gon style. Um, and the motto says, peace over anger, honor over hate, and strength over fear. Yeah. And that is my favorite thing that I have ever learned from this universe. Well, I think it's healthy, too, because if you just turn your head and you ignore the other side, you know, I don't think that's necessarily the best way to go about your life you know you have to acknowledge that there is something else agreed this is just awesome so many things we can learn from all of these different texts and scrolls and holocrons and this universe it's just so impactful i know it's it's really is crazy how much there is to learn about the story of star wars and and rachel while we do know a lot about the story of Star Wars. We always get help with these episodes from the true experts, the people who wrote the books, the people who write the novels, things like that. So here are our references for this episode. We looked through the Jedi versus Sith, the Book of Sith, the Rise of Skywalker Visual Dictionary, the Jedi Path, Wikipedia, the Poe Dameron Marvel Comics, and the Secrets of the Jedi Book. Yep. You should buy all of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. And read them all. Not just and read them. There. Read them all, yes. I mean, you can read them after you listen to our show. If you get inspired, that's fine. But, <laughs> yeah. but definitely take a look at them. All right, Rachel, what do we have coming up on next month's show? All right. So I was thinking, since we have kind of talked about the fact that there's some of these old wisdoms, um, histories, and even some of these scientific practices and recordings that maybe we could go a little bit into the cloning of Force-sensitive beings. Oh my gosh, yes, that's so awesome. Because if you think about it, like we read in the Rise of Skywalker novelization that Palpatine's body was like, he tried to clone himself. And then if you guys go back to um, the Force Unleashed 2 game with Starkiller, like they talk about cloning there. So I'm very excited about this one, Rachel. I think that's going to be a great show. Awesome. All right. So you guys can look forward to that. 
Feeling like you want to get away from it all? Need a little time unplugged from the everyday grind? Grind, grind, grind. Want to get lost in a world all your own? Then check out the most unfindable place in the galaxy, Octo. This oceanic planet has just what you need. Deep blue waters, green islands, friendly locals, and interesting wildlife. Book a stay in one of the ancient stone huts or camp out under the stars. Stars, stars. Looking for some exercise? Try scaling the massive stone staircase up to the first Jedi temple as you ponder the myth of Luke Skywalker, the great Jedi who is said to have once lived here. At the Jedi temple, you can take in the calming seas from the lookout point, study the mosaic of the prime Jedi, or even watch the twin stars set. Step inside the supposedly haunted mirror cave if you dare, down below the Jedi temple remains. Whether it's the meditative setting or the smell of the sea you're after, Octo is the place where you can lose yourself or find yourself once again. But thank you everyone so much for listening to episode 19 of Ashla Analysis as part of the Twin Sons Podcast Network. Thank you so much for listening to us and as always, may the Force be with you. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Twin Sons Podcast Network. May the Force be with you. Now you will experience the full power of the dark side. The dark side of the Force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. I'm a Jedi, like my father before me. The Sith rely on their passion for their story. The Jedi use their power for good. similar in almost every way, including their quest for greater power.